Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Well, it is so good to see you today. Wherever you're watching from today, thank you for being with us at Church at Home. Today is a special day for so many reasons. We are wrapping up the month of August, as Jennifer said, and so it's the end of our series in Proverbs. Today also is a a different day, a special day, in that we're doing church in three different applications. Here, as you're watching maybe alone, perhaps you're watching in a party setting, but we also have two in-person gatherings taking place. And the reason we're telling you this is for this reason, if you're watching especially if you're watching live right now, it's on you to be really active in the chat because some people are going to come back and watch it later who have been busy making in-person gatherings happen. And I want to make sure that when they get here, the chat is full, all right? So it's on us. We're here. We're going to be locked in. And I wonder if you could just be interactive with uh, with me and with us today in the chat. I also want to say, as we're going to just begin to mention every week, if you could take a moment, if you're not yet subscribed to Vivid Church's channel. Would you do that right now? Subscribe to the YouTube channel, turn on your notifications. Here's the purpose. We want to continue to resource you with the best content we can and give you the tools to share that on. There's never been an easier time to be evangelistic than right now when you can share a link and uh, text a friend and include them in what God is doing here. So we're going to wrap up Proverbs and I'm pretty excited about this message. But before we do, I gotta tell you about next week, okay? It's one of the things that, that maybe is the most exciting right now. Next week, we're beginning a brand new series. And I could tell you all about it, but I'd rather show you just a little glimpse of it. So check this out. Which camera do you want me to come back to? This will be cut out right here. Yeah. To this one or back to this one? Um, I'll come back to this one, okay. Yeah. And I'm heading back in, ready? Come on, how good is that going to be? Worth fighting for. We are talking about the good fight of faith. Everything we do in life is this fight of faith. Living with integrity is part of the fight of faith. Sharing with boldness the the love that God has had for our life. That's part of the fight of faith. Doing the right things and thinking the right way. It's all the fight of faith. And this life that God has given us is worth fighting for. So don't miss that. We start next week. We're going to be on all of our kind of online applications. No in-person gatherings next week. They're still very irregular throughout this season, but worth fighting for. Going to be amazing. Maybe this should be the first week for some of you that you host a party and bring some friends out and watch it in the backyard or on the patio or, uh, you know, host something online. We'll figure it out. It's going to be amazing. Okay. Worth fighting for is coming at you this September. But be, before we get there, this is our last message in the book of Proverbs. Have you enjoyed it? Man, I've loved the book of Proverbs. I've loved studying it and uh, interacting with people even that I see on the street where it's like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. And knowing we're both reading the same thing right now. We're both working on the same things right now. This book of Proverbs, it's interesting, isn't it? It's all about wisdom. And yet all the applications, they seem to be around like our words. They seem to be around our our cravings, our appetites, they seem to be around around sex and, and work and money. Why? Because wisdom is an everyday, even an every moment type of application. All of the things and decisions we need to make every day require wisdom in order for us to live better. So our work, 
Our relationships, our words, they all matter so much. And that's why I feel awkward saying, okay, guys, we finished the Proverbs. We, we, we finished these weeks of studying them, but we certainly haven't finished applying them to our life. This wisdom lifestyle is a lifelong lifestyle. And it's all about us getting better. And, and it's interesting, this word better is actually in Proverbs embedded in there throughout. In fact, there are these statements made like it's better to do this than that. Even though you might think this looks amazing, this would actually be better. And that type of, of contrasting statement is used 19 different times. And so I thought today, before I get to the short little message that I want to share, I, I thought I would maybe just share those better statements and we can quickly look through them. Are you ready for this Bible study? Are you ready? It's a better Bible study. Get your Bible out. Be ready. We're going to look at these. The first one is in Proverbs 12 and verse 9. Proverbs 12 and verse 9. And it says this, it is better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than to pretend to be somebody and have no food. Here, the writer of the Proverbs is saying, don't live above your means. Don't pretend pretentiously to be someone that you're not. It's better to live modestly, to live humbly, to not be promoting yourself and actually be building something that matters. A household in this context where people are, are part of your mission rather than just declaring to everyone how good you're doing and how hooked up you are and really have nothing. Look at this, Proverbs 15 and verse 16. Proverbs 15 and verse 16. We're going to have fun with this. It says, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. And it's better to have a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hate. Where are all my vegetarians at? Come on, where are all the vegans at? It's actually saying that like it's better for us to understand. I would rather take little uh, external, little uh, possession, but have something vibrant happening on the inside of my life than have all the best things that, the, that this world provides and lack that on the inside. These are good little statements, good little reminders that sometimes what we were fighting for, what we were working towards, what we were trying to build, it wasn't worth it in the first place. Look at uh, Proverbs 16 and verse 8. It says, Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. Do you agree? Come on, tell me in the chat if you agree. I mean, this is a really simple. It's better to have less but do it right than have a lot and do it wrong. Look at this. Proverbs uh, 16 verse 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold? How much better to get insight rather than silver. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 19. It says this, Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share in the plunder with the proud. How I mean, how much of a theme is that through Proverbs? That it's better to have an eye for those who are oppressed, to have a heart leaning towards those who are poor or destitute or isolated or impoverished rather than turning a blind eye to the pain in the world around us and just taking momentary withdrawals from the good things of this life. Aren't these good statements? It's just there's a better way to live. The Bible is constantly pointing us. I know this feels right, but this would actually be better. Look at Proverbs 16 and verse 32. It says this, Better a patient person than a warrior, one who is self-controlled, than one who takes a city. Oh my goodness, we could stop right there, park right there. How good is that? It's better to be patient than to just irrationally go out with strength and try to dominate. There's a certain strength that comes with composure. Look at this, Proverbs 17 and verse 1. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet 
than a house full of feasting and with strife. You know, like I'd rather, again, have little and just have the good things on the inside. Love of God, uh, a fear of the Lord, an understanding of the things that matter to God, like the, the hearts of those who have been oppressed. I'd rather have less and be at peace than, than strive after what the world says it can offer me and only experience strife. Look at this, Proverbs 17 and verse 12. It says, better to meet a bear who has been robbed of her cub than a fool who's bent on folly. It's a great picture. I don't know if you've ever seen a bear in the wild. Maybe you were driving by and you stopped and said, oh, it's so cute and took a picture. But if you walk up on a bear in the wild, it's not really a good day. Much less so if that bear has been robbed of her cub. She's out for blood. But the Bible says, given a choice, I'd rather put myself in that scenario than be around a fool who has actually determined this is the way I'm going to live my life. I want to warn us all. We all have some foolish tendencies, but let's not get bent on folly. Look what it says here in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 1. These are good, aren't they? It says, Better the poor whose walk is blameless than a fool whose lips are perverse. Look at what Proverbs 19 and 22 says. It says this, A person, uh, let me see here, Proverbs uh 1922 1922 what a person desires is unfailing love better to be poor than a liar better to have less and be honest and live with integrity than to just get what you want by cutting corners and by cheating the system look what it says here in proverbs chapter 21 and verse 9, I told you there are 19 of this. What I'm trying to establish for us today is that the Bible is trying to point us in a better way. Proverbs 21 and verse 9 says this, Better to live on the corner of the roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Funny picture right here. Just imagine walking up, seeing your neighbor perched on the side of the roof. You okay, Bob? Yeah, I'm good. You going inside, Bob? No, I'm not. It's better out here. But but it's speaking of, of peace, relational peace, unity, living in a calm environment is so much better, even if you have less. Do you see this? Like some of the things we would aim for, I want to be rich. I want to have the finest things in life. I want to have a big house. I want people to think well of me. And the Bible's saying those things aren't necessarily bad, but there's actually a better way to do it. And it's by integrity. It's this heart issue that's going on underneath the surface. Look at this uh, Proverbs uh, 20. I think we did this one. Let's look at uh, Proverbs 22 in verse uh, one, it says this, a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than to have silver or gold. In the end of the day, your name is invaluable. Your character is invaluable. Don't waste the, the, the esteem that people could have for you and the, the good name and character that you could have in your marketplace, in your workplace, in your family by just cutting the cord, the corners and taking a withdrawal to get rich quick look at this proverbs 25 and verse 7 we are rounding the bend here in all these better statements it's better for him to uh let's go to verse 6 it says do not exalt yourself in the king's presence and don't claim a place among his great men it's better for him to say to you hey come here than for him to humiliate you before his nobles jesus tells a story like this when you go to a feast don't try to put yourself in the best position be humble 
It's so much better to have uh, an elevated position out of humility than to be sent in in despair and in kind of uh, humiliation to say, you don't deserve to be at this rank. You need to go down there. This is a uh, I suppose an interesting party trick. Uh, I suppose it's just about the etiquette around a house party, but I think it's so much deeper than that. In life, don't try to always position yourself with leverage so you get the best out of situations. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He'll lift you up in due time. Look at what it says here in Proverbs chapter uh, 25 and verse 24. I have about three or four more. 25, 24, it says this, Better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. That one's so true, they said it twice. Check this out. Uh, Proverbs 27 and verse Five, it says this, better open rebuke than hidden love. We talked about this last month when we were looking at some principles for relationships. I would rather have someone stab me in the front. I would rather have someone come up and tell me what they need to say than hold it back and hide it. It's so much better to be honest. Speak the truth, but do it in love. Check this out. Uh, Proverbs 27 and verse 10 says this. It says, don't forsake your friend. Or the friend of your family, don't go to a relative's house who's at a great distance. Instead, it's better to have a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. In other words, wherever you're at, begin to build some relational equity and put down some roots wherever you're at right now. It's just a better, <clears throat> excuse me, a better way to live. And now Proverbs 28 and verse 6. Better the poor whose walk is blameless than the rich whose ways are perverse. We just read 19 verses. 19 statements uh, about this better way to live. 19 little illuminated moments. I mean, if we're being honest, there were 18 because the quarrelsome wife one was repeated twice. That's how important unity is. But these statements going over and over and over and over and over and over again, where the Bible is saying, I know everyone is shouting at you that this is the best way to live, but there is a better way. Do you know that the Bible also says it this way, that, that the love of God is better than life. Given a comparison to experience God's full love for you is actually better than everything else you will experience in this life. Now, if this is true, if this undergirding statement is just kind of all the way through Proverbs, I know you want to do this, but there's a better way. I know you're living this way, but trust me, there, there's better for you. I know this has been your goal, but there's actually this better way. Then it's got to be true that in your life and in my life, we're thinking wrong in some ways. Now, we think wrong sometimes because we've been taught wrong. We think wrong sometimes because we just got distracted or ignorant. We haven't learned yet. But there's sometimes we think wrong because it has been repeated to us so many times that, that we think that has to be true. I hear that everywhere. I've seen that on magazines. I, I read that on, on every friend's post. Like I've seen it on bios. It's so true. It's the go-to advice that everyone gives. And so it's got to be true. Now I want to illuminate today two things. And this might make me unpopular, but that's okay. I'm not in this for the popularity contest. That's for sure. These two statements that I believe, that maybe you believe, that I've perpetuated and perhaps you have perpetuated that the Bible actually says are just false. Can I share these with you? These, these two things. Number one, we often say, follow your dreams. Chase your dreams. Oh, you got a big dream? Chase it. And number two, we always say, we constantly say, I think we, we kind of indoctrinate ourselves with this statement, you got to trust yourself. And today I want to show you in scripture these, these two prom, these two, uh, you know, 
adages, these two proverbs that we might share with people, and we share them as if they're fact, but the Bible says they're not. You might have said to a friend or heard from a friend, you need to follow your dreams. And maybe you've heard or said, you need to trust yourself. Let me show you here in this chapter, Proverbs 28, where both of these are challenged. Proverbs 28 and verse 19, it says, Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. Here it's saying this, that it's easy to, to kind of run after something and think that the grass is greener somewhere else. But there's work to be done right where you are that actually will bring you immeasurable contentment, satisfaction, joy, abundance, even wealth and prosperity, if you can just work what you got right now. Now, and all this is hard to hear, because everything in this world says to you, follow your dreams, chase your dreams. If you can dream it, you can have it. And so I want to be very careful here. What I'm not saying is be uninspired. What I'm not saying is, is don't uh, get excited about a, a best case scenario for the future. What I'm not saying is lose all hope. What I'm not saying is aim small because the, the, this world's a scary place and you'll probably fail anyway. Like all of those things is not really what is being, being uh, spoken right here. But here's what is being said. Don't defer the best of your effort, the best of your creativity, the best of your ingenuity and your, your, your commitment and your work ethic. Don't just defer those things until you have something else or until you are somewhere else. Instead, put the best that you've got into what you're doing right now. That's what it's saying. It's not saying you should have no dreams. It's not saying you should never get those dreams. It's not saying you should never take hold of this incredible thing. In fact, Paul says, I haven't yet attained all that God has for me, but this one thing I do, I'm forgetting what's behind and I'm pressing on towards what is ahead because I want to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. So certainly we still have this forward focus full of faith, full of hope, and, and, and full of anticipation and expectation that I will see good things in the land of the living. That's all scriptural. But don't defer the best of your effort, the best of your character and your work until you get those things. Put it into practice right now. You know, there's a lot of people who live with this kind of mindset. Once I've got my dream job, oh my goodness, I'm going to have a great work ethic. And the truth is, no, you won't. You won't have a different work ethic then than you have now. So work your field now and you will grow into those things instead of waiting for them. You get that? Once I met my dream girl, I'm going to become a great communicator. No, you won't. Learn how to communicate well right now when you're single, when you're crazy single and you got two friends to, you know, in all the world. Learn how to communicate well. Now, instead of waiting till then, oh my goodness, when I'm rich, when I get that fantasy of being rich, I'm going to become so generous. No, you won't. If you can't be generous with little, you won't be generous with, with a lot. Oh my God, once I get uh, elevated position, I'm going to be influential. I'm going to be a difference maker. I'm going to have a story to tell. No, you won't. You won't influence people right if you can't do it Right now, it says, says this, those who work their land will actually have abundance. So wherever your feet are right now, that's your land. God's got you where you are for a reason. Put your best into the season that you're in and just watch those dreams unfold rather than living 
with your best of your heart and your passion and your intentions in another dimension. It's only a fool who chases those fantasies. Now, I know this is crazy, right? Because we always say, oh, just follow your dreams. If you can dream, you want to walk on the moon, go ahead and walk. You can do anything you dream of. But you can't unless you can do what's right in front of you right here and right now. Once I have authority, then I will have a servant heart. No, you won't. Learn to have a servant heart when no one's praising you. You know, once the eyes are on me, then I will develop integrous character. No, you won't. It's all about working what you got right now. Recently, I heard this story, and perhaps you've heard it as well. It's a story told by Dr. Russell Conwell, who actually was the founder of Temple University. And this story, which is is said to be a true story, is almost parable-like in its application. It's a story of a man named Ali Hafid, who lived in Africa, and, and he had a humble farm, and worked hard, worked his land hard, and on his land and in his farm, he was, uh, he was, uh, uh, he had, had, had a stranger come. Sorry, I just lost my train of thought right there. Does that ever happen to you? Me too. Okay. He had a stranger come along and say, man, you're working so hard, but if only you could have diamonds. Diamonds, they would actually be the solution. If you had more diamonds, Man, if you had riches, you could hook your family up. And Ali Hafid got so excited about the thought of, of what he didn't have. And, and the, the instruction from the stranger was, there's this place. It's, it's called, uh, I think, the Mountain of the Moon. It was called a place in India. If you go there, you can reach your hand into a stream and you can pull out diamonds and just the riches, the wealth that would come. And so this man, convinced by how good things were where he wasn't, he sold his farm. He sold his oxen and everything that he had. And he told his wife and his children, I'm going to go get those diamonds. And when I return, we're all going to be rich. So he went to the, the, the specific location, found there were no diamonds there. And he began on this obsessive journey to find the diamonds that he had said and claimed he would go find. He searched through Palestine. He searched through Europe. He ended up in Spain and in this location, I think near Barcelona, Spain, he actually ended his life because he could not find diamonds. His suicide note included this statement, there are no diamonds anywhere. And what a tragic story. What a tragic story to chase after something and to, to say, like, I'll give it everything I got, only to never experience it and to never find it. Well, the story becomes far more tragic when I tell you this piece. The man who purchased his, his farm began to work his oxen in his field and he found that as he was going through the field and preparing it for harvest, he was constantly coming across these irritating dark rocks. And so he would pull them out of the field and throw them to the side. And some of them were interesting in their kind of coloration as the light of the sun shone off them. And so he pulled this one specific rock off. The, that's a that's a kind of a cool looking rock. And he put it on his mantle in his home. He had a traveler come by, a, a, a friend from far off. He came and he said, what's that rock doing there? He said, well, I just found it in my field. He goes, that rock is a diamond. That rock is a diamond in the rough. If you put the right work into it, that actually is a diamond. And you know, on the very same land that the man sold to go chase diamonds is founded one of the world's most illustrious diamond mines to this very day. Little did he know, he was living amongst acres of diamonds. 
and working amongst acres of diamonds and he got enticed by something he didn't have. The amazing thing, and I think it applies to your life and mine, this story Dr. Russell Conwell told over and over, it sold 7 million copies in a little pamphlet form hundreds of years ago before internet or publishers or any sort of thing. And and he was asked to give this specific speech 6,000 times because of the, the overarching human impact it has. My friend, I believe there's diamonds in your life right now. Work the field you've got and just watch where God will take you. Don't chase those dreams at the cost of being who God's called you to be right now. There's a better way and it involves you putting your best into what you've got right now. Is that cool? Can we do that? Uh, I mean, I would hate to think that someone misses the diamonds in their life right now. Now, now you would, you'd, you'd say this, well, how does a diamond come to be? Great question. Diamonds are actually just carbon that have been put under great pressure. Maybe right now in your life you're saying, oh, there's just so many pressures. If I could escape these pressures, then I could be the best version of myself. I've got so much tension in my life right now, so much stress, so much anxiety. If I could just get away and, and, and escape, then I will become the best version of myself and I will shine bright like a diamond, as the song says. But the truth is that the best thing God wants to build in you, it might come with some pressure, maybe some intense pressure right now, but God is making you into a treasure. Is that cool? Okay, second thing. I told you there was two. Second thing is this. We're told, trust yourself. Just trust yourself. If you feel it, it must be right. Go with that. Trust it. Trust it. Your heart, your heart is good. All our hearts are good. We all feel good things. We all got good hearts. Just go with your heart. Trust yourself. But here it says in Proverbs 28 and verse 26, it says, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. How crazy is that? The very thing that would actually lead us astray is the advice that we tend to give others or even ourselves. I just need to trust myself. Now again, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying lack confidence. I'm not saying question yourself always because because you never make the right decision. I'm not saying, you know, that person who told you you'll never amount to anything was right. You do fail. I'm not saying any of those things. But, but here what the Bible is saying is if you go with your heart without consulting wisdom first, your heart will always lead you astray. It just, it just doesn't know the best way. I think the heart, I always want to go with the word and let my heart test that rather than going with my heart and letting the word test it. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? I want to obey God and then I want to find a way to put my whole heart into that rather than saying, I'll just go with what I feel and try to find a verse to support what I already believe to be true. <clears throat> There's so many people, it's like this is the way they make wise decisions. They've already decided what they're going to do. And then they find a friend who will agree with them. You know what I mean? You find that friend who's like, yeah, that's that's totally right. And you just look to confirm your own biases. And people do it with the Bible too. They say, well, I don't want to have to be kind. So I got to find a scripture that sort of seems to allow me to do that. I would rather start with the Bible, no matter how hard it might be, and then say, God, I need to submit my heart to this. My son Arrow is eight years old, and, and Arrow says everything that he's ever said with full conviction. Everything he's ever said. Opinions, stories, thoughts, ideas, facts, they're all said with equal amount of conviction. He's completely certain. The other day he, he said to Titus, Titus, who's 12, do you know that clams actually have arms and legs? And when, when people aren't watching, their arms and legs come out and they walk on the bottom of the ocean floor. And Titus said, I don't think that's true, Arrow. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's how they get around. 
And I heard this all happening and I just paused for a second. I said, hey, hey, Arrow, have you ever seen one of those clams? He said, well, no. I said, have you ever read that that's true? No. I said, so, so what you're trying to say probably is that this is a, a theory. You think that perhaps clams have arms and legs. And he said, yeah, that's what I said. I said, it's interesting because the way you phrased it was, it is true. He goes, well, I didn't think it was true. I just thought it might be true. And, and so with conviction and with all earnestness, he put his heart into it. And it was interesting. I said, like, Arrow, you can still think that might be true, but you can't phrase it like it's the, the fact. You have to phrase it like, here's an idea I had. What do you think? And the, the crazy thing is Titus knows it's not true, and he would tell you that, and you would actually learn and grow. And I thought, in that moment, how interesting is it? Like, our hearts do the same thing to us. Our heart goes, yep, I know it's true. I feel it so passionately. Be angry at that person. You deserve this moment of anger. You know, like, like pursue that lustful craving you have. You deserve this. And the heart is so convinced. But if we would just stop and interrogate our heart for a minute and say, hold up heart. Do you know this is true? Well, no, I'm just feeling it. Okay. If you're just feeling it, go ahead and feel all those feelings. I, I, I'm not asking you to turn your feelings off. But, but just interrogate your feelings a little bit and go, hey, feeling, just because you're feeling that doesn't mean it's true. The Bible says the one who just trusts themselves and say, I felt it in the moment, so I said it. That person's a fool. Instead, we want to submit to wisdom and find a way to put our whole heart into the obedience that God has called us to. Is this okay? I mean, it's kind of challenging, isn't it? I have said these two things, follow your dreams and trust yourself. And I've had them said to me over and over and over. But I want to be careful that I understand in a biblical way that God has something better for me. So instead of just chasing a fantasy that you don't yet have, put your best into what you're doing now. And instead of just consulting your heart first and say, well, what do I feel like? Go with what the Bible says and find a way to put your heart into that. You know, it's in Proverbs that it says, guard your heart because out of it, your whole life flows. I want to end today. In the book of Philippians chapter 4, if you have a Bible, turn there with me. Philippians is not in Proverbs, but it's still about wisdom. Check this out. Philippians chapter 4. With this, I conclude. Chapter 4 and verse 4, it says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard in me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Here's my challenge to, to you and I. Like, don't turn our hearts off, but just surrender our hearts to God. Don't turn our feelings off. Surrender them to God. What I never want to do to my son is say, Arrow, stop thinking clams have legs. He, he's free to think that. But that curiosity will actually help him to grow into wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And the same is true for your feelings. Don't shut them off. Just bring them to the Lord. How do you do that? Well, you learn gratitude. How do you do that? You learn to surrender those feelings of anxiety and bring your needs to the Lord. How do you do that? You redirect your thinking. You can't delete thoughts, but you can replace them with the right kind of thoughts that are pure and noble and trustworthy and all these things. And then it says, God will guard your heart. I don't know about you, I, I certainly don't feel like I have uh, 
aspired to wisdom and here I am and I've arrived and I'm here and I'll never need any more. I, I have a long way to go. I'm sure you're feeling the same right now. We got a long way to go. But let's begin by, by testing some of those things we've believed to be true, by bringing our hearts to the Lord and allowing Him to lead us and to guide us into the better that He has. Can I pray for you, Jesus? I thank you right now for every one of my friends who's watching this. I pray that you'd help us to engage in the better life you have for us. Not that we'd stop dreaming, but that we would work with what we have and watch you unfold greater dreams than we could ever imagine. Your word says that you can do far above all that we could ask for or even imagine according to your power that's already at work. So even in the pressure, God, I submit to the dream you have for my life. And right now, I, I lay my heart at your feet. It takes moment by moment, day by day work. But together we say we trust you. We're not going to be anxious. We trust you. We're grateful. We trust you. We're redirecting our thoughts to good things. And instead of just following our emotional tendencies, we do want to surrender and submit to your will. Help us, God, not to just go in the way that seems right to all of us and leads to death, but instead to follow this great, incredible purpose and plan you have for our lives. And right now, if you don't know Jesus, I want to introduce you to this really simple prayer. You can pray. It will be the beginning of your relationship with God. And it actually starts with your heart. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and then confess it with your mouth, you're saved. And from there, there's so much, so many steps of growth. We'd love to take them with you and God will be there to sustain you by His grace every step of the way. But it begins with declaring Jesus is Lord and giving Him your life. So you could pray a simple prayer like this. Jesus, I give you my life. My heart is yours. And in that moment, right here, right now, Jesus has heard you. He's responding to you. He saved you. He's calling you out of darkness into light. He's got a better future for you. We're so excited. We'd love to know. Can you let us know in the chat? I made that decision today. We want to encourage you in your next steps. Oh, man, I feel like, did I summarize the book of Proverbs? No. Did I point out a few things? I guess. We had, I think, nine weeks together in Proverbs, and it feels like we've only scratched the surface But this life, this journey of faith is a lifelong thing. We're going to do it together. And next week, we are starting that series worth fighting for. I hope everyone who's watching me is going to join us next week. Share it with your friends. It's going to be amazing. I love you all so much. Have the best Sunday. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.